0: And it's a, it's it's like the pages turn on fire or something. Like they just explode off the page. And you're like, whoa. And you may have read it like five hundred times before, but then that day, boom, this thing just kind of explodes. Like Jody experienced that a little bit this morning, you know, this idea of the love and that kind of thing. And uh, we good? Um, and so there's this there's this thing with God that certain times of our life in certain seasons he will highlight something and make it come alive more and and one of the things I felt when I started getting into this getting unstuck series is is that very feeling I felt like wow this is a big deal and so we've done this before and we're recording and doing some different things but so don't we're, we're, the camera's pointing this way I want you to do something for me how many of you feel like in your life There's some area of your life, finances, marriage, uh, family, school, you know, grades, whatever, work. How many of you feel like you're somewhat stuck in one area of your life? Just raise your hand. Okay. So almost everybody. In fact, I think that was everybody. So there's this thought in our lives that, that getting unstuck or getting, let's just start with the stuck first. Being stuck is not God's will for your life. The Bible is very clear on this. We've talked about it in previous sermon series, this idea of progressive revelation, right? Like God wants to bring us into new territory and show himself in new ways and reveal his love and his passion for us in these these new ways, right? And so being stuck in something is never fun, right? How many of you gotten stuck in the snow before with your car, right? (laughs) I was, it always strikes me, as so funny, like, like most of the time we get stuck in the snow, we know ahead of time we shouldn't go there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then we go there and we get stuck, like, oh man, you know. And I think sometimes in life it's that way too, like we kind of know we're stuck, you know, we kind of know that we shouldn't be doing this and this or whatever. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes and just, in fact, these next, we're going to do a couple of weeks on this, just some steps and some things that I feel like God wants to walk us into. Into helping us get unstuck in some areas of our lives, okay? And uh, so, Lord, we pray for revelation right now, Father, as we begin these next few minutes together. I pray that your that Holy Spirit, you would just come hmm, and begin to unblock some thinking in our mind. I pray, Lord, if there are ruts in our thinking, that there's certain ways we've been thinking our whole life. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would do some road construction in the ruts of the roads of our life, that you would begin to fill some things in, that you would begin to allow us to walk on different paths and different journeys and not be stuck in the same way and the patterns that our life has set for us. And so, God, I thank you for freedom you're going to bring to people today. I thank you for freedom that you're going to begin to allow us to walk into not just today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout this whole week, God, that you're going to reveal things we can, we can do. You're going to reveal thought patterns in our lives that need to be adjusted and changed so that we won't be the same. We will be better. We'll be closer to you. We'll have a greater understanding and greater passion, and we will get fully unstuck in these areas of our lives. If that's your prayer. Say amen with me this morning. Getting stuck is a part of life. Would you agree? I mean, it's just part of life. It happens. But here's the thing. Remaining stuck is a choice. Getting stuck happens. It's just part of life. But remaining stuck, that's on me. Right? That's on me. We're going to talk a little bit about this this morning. And if you're not here and, and you don't like the idea of personal responsibility, this is going to be a hard sermon for you. Well, If you're here physically, but mentally you're somewhere else, right? Like there is an idea in our world today, man. I'm telling you, in politics, I watch the news and different things. Everybody's blaming everything on somebody else—your mama, your past, the you know Trump, uh, you know Hillary, whatever. Everybody's blaming stuff on everybody. (laughs) Take your hand, put it on your chest, and say, "I determine my own destiny." I determine my own destiny. (laughs) I determine what my life looks like. I determine whether I'm stuck or not. Right? And I'm really strong on this, folks. And let's just back up. Last week, we started talking about how getting or being stuck is dangerous, isn't it? Oh, man. We get stuck in a part of our life, and how many of you know it starts to turn toxic? And not only for us, but for those around us. And if we get stuck in our spiritual life, you know, sometimes... Or even in our other parts of life, we begin to have a distorted view on who God is and how much he loves us. How many of you ever entertained the thought that when my situation is bad, I feel like God doesn't love me? Or he doesn't love me as much as he loves somebody else. Some of you know, some of you yes. <laughs> right? There's this thought sometimes that comes in when our circumstances aren't working the way we should. and We think, hey, he's a good God. Why isn't this good thing happening to me, right? And how many of you know that if we start dwelling and pointing fingers at God, we begin to develop a mindset that is accusing the very one who wants to set us free and to move us. And we're going to look at some of that as we go through this this morning. But it's dangerous. And so I just want to encourage you, pray, even as I'm speaking, for revelation. God would reveal things, man. I'm telling you, Holy Spirit wants to do things in each of us this morning that I'm not planning, you're not planning, but i you know, He's planning, Amen. To get us unstuck, Amen. So the first thing is, it's dangerous. We talked about that. The second thing is this: that change is required, right? If we keep doing the same stuff, we keep getting the same results, right? And that old, I think it's, everybody says it a little different, I always say it like this: If you always do what you 've always done you 'll always get what you 've always had right see when we're, when we 're stuck, it requires that we change something if i 'm stuck in the mud or the snow with my car I'm, you know i can 't just sit there and keep trying to drive it 's stupid right i 'm not going to get out i've got to change i've got to do something different and so the first step is to realize that a change is needed. Would you agree? And so here's what I want. I'm going to pray this morning that God would allow us to see things in ourselves that we previously haven't seen. And I love this message. Like, the youth are in with us on the first Sunday of every month. And I love this because even as teenagers and even children, they can get, we can get stuck at any age level of life. Amen? And so... I believe that God has some things to say to each of us, from the youngest to the oldest today. And one of the thoughts is this, that God would give us revelation to see the areas of our life that need to actually change. Amen? In Galatians 5.23, many of you are familiar with uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, you know, et cetera, et cetera, And then it gets to self-control. Now, it's interesting. Self-control, to me, as I was growing up, always meant— I gotta control my sinful urges. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like self-control. Don't look at lustfully at a woman, or don't steal, or you know, self-control my my anger or my thoughts. You know, like when I was younger, I always felt like self-control had to do with sin. But you know the Bible doesn't actually say that. The word self-control in the Greek actually means this: (laughs) self-control. I know, deep thoughts from Pastor Steve today, right? <laughs> we are this thing in our family. We, we are this thing in our family. And unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, we have six of us in our family, Jody and I and the kids, and all of us are somewhat gregarious, okay? We're outgoing. We like people, you know, and, 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 and we're all, we're, non, we're not very shy. Let's just put it that way. There's no shy people in the Abbott family. But what happens when you're outgoing and and a lot of energy is that (laughs) there are times where you want to control the other person even more than you want to control yourself. So if there's something going on, the kids will come to me. Let's say there's a fight or something. They'll come up and they'll go, as an example, well, Susie said this. And I'm looking at Sally, and she's saying, Susie did this. And I'm like, "Ah, start with yourself. What did you do? And they look at me like I've got a third eye in the middle of my forehead or something. Like, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about them, right? And it's this urge within all of us to want to, you know, blame somebody else or shift it over to somebody else. Like, my parents are the reason that I'm this, this, and this. Or my boss at work, if only he would change this, this, and this, then I would be this, you know. Or, or if only the people around me or whatever. Like, there's always this desire to control somebody else. But I'm telling you this morning, the biggest problem that, that I have is me. Right? Self-control. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning that, that I'm responsible for me. <laughs> There's this thing people say a lot. Maybe you've said it. People will say, that person made me so angry. How oh, you know that's never true? It absolutely is never true. I will never give somebody else control over me. In other words, that person doesn't make me angry. I get angry based on what I allow that person to do in my life. Like, I never have to be angry because of something you do. All right, can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? Let's do like Black Church this morning. Can we do like Can we do like Black Church? I really want to hear back from you guys, right? Like, like I love I love that, that idea that like people are interacting. Why? Because let's be honest, we all have trouble with self control, don't we? We all want to blame somebody else. Oh, people say oh, I I don't go to this church anymore because I'm not getting fed. And what are they saying? Preacher, you just be better. Or Sunday school teacher, you just be better. No. Guess what? Last time I checked, you can each have your own Bible. And you can each listen to Holy Spirit all by yourself. (laughs) You know, like my personal growth is not dependent upon somebody else. Yeah, good. So, self-control. See, the change comes from within. I don't mean that in a Zen Buddhist kind of way. I mean, really, Holy Spirit is over here going, let's go to work. <laughs> let's do some stuff. This is going to be awesome. You know what? that Holy Spirit has uh, an incredible legacy for you? That, that God has this destiny for you, even as young people in, in school, in high schools, in junior high, in college, and, and those on the job. Man, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit has a destiny and a legacy for us. Amen. But, <laughs> But the problem is that we get stuck, and we kind of stumble moving forward, and then we just sit back, right? And, you know, (laughs) I say this the right way, but getting stuck is oftentimes really bad, okay? We talked about this. But sometimes I think that getting stuck can actually be a positive, i.e., If if there's a person who weighs 500 pounds and they come to the realization that they're stuck in their food patterns and exercise and all that, and they say, hey, I don't want to die when I'm 34. I want to actually live my life. So what do they do? They control their self, and they begin to make some choices and things that are different. So sometimes getting stuck can actually get us moving in the right direction. And I believe spiritually this can happen too. How many of you have ever gotten stuck spiritually and you start to address it. Maybe you pray some more. Maybe you spend more time with God. Maybe there's a, you know, more time in the Word. You turn off the television. Maybe you go on a fast. You know, these kind of things. And then what almost always happens? Bing! You go to another level. You go to another place. And I think that sometimes getting stuck is all dependent on what we do with it, right? If I'm stuck and spiritually, then you know what? That's an opportunity, actually, for me to start moving in another direction. We mentioned somebody losing weight, right? If you feel like you don't have enough education and you get stuck there and you feel like, hey, I'm going to start taking night classes, right? You start moving in that direction. Why? Because you don't want to stay stuck, uneducated, and working, you know, low, low-income jobs. You want to begin to move forward, right? Hmm. If you don't have a relationship with God, you know, some people get stuck not having a relationship with God. And then they move into a relationship with God, and all of a sudden, they're not stuck anymore, right? They begin to move into these areas. Hmm. New levels require new choices. And so, we're a little short on time, so I just want to go through this a little quick this morning. So the first thing was, being stuck is dangerous. The second thing is, change is required. The third thing is this, if you're taking notes. Ask yourself this question. How bad do I want to change? Right, That's really a big one, isn't it? I mean, how bad do I really want this thing? Do I really want something better? I, uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, experienced and lived the role of pastor for many years. <laughs> the title of pastor, anyway. I've, uh, <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. And part of the role of pastor in a church is that you counsel people. And maybe you can relate to this. There's some people that come to my office over the years, and of course nothing and nobody here ever has this problem. But my other churches and other places, I bet, <laughs> they come to you and they're like, Oh, Pastor, you gotta help me and they come in and they and they want they pour out all their problems and they, they do this thing and and they talk all about everything and it's their wife this or their husband this and all the thing. And then I am a fixer. So if you come to me, don't expect me just to, you know, pat you on the back and let you talk and then don't do anything because I'm a fixer, right? If we have a problem, let's do something. So I'll tell them. i say, listen, well, why don't you do this and this and this or this person this? And they'll be like, thank you. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> Three months later, they're back in my office. Oh, no, 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 no. They're, doing, they're telling me the same exact thing. And I look at them and I go, what did we, what did we do with the last thing we did? well, my husband this, or my boss this, or my, you know, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And I'm telling you, you have friends like this, don't you? People that are in your life, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over, and you're like, it's time to, like, move on. Quit telling me you want change if you're not willing to do anything about it. That's for other people, but how many you know that's for us too? You know, quit telling yourself you want change if you're not really willing to. Make those choices, right? I told you this was going to be a little bit hard. Sometimes, for some people, living in less or in a place of defeat is actually easier than change. Right? But how many of you know living in, let's say you live in a garbage, let's say you live in a big garbage heap, and that's all you're used to, you know? (laughs) How I of mean, you know that there's a better way to exist than living in a big pile of garbage, right? And, and this is where the revelation comes in. This is where I say, Holy Spirit, come and get our minds moving in a different direction and begin to light a fire in us that says, I am not satisfied living less than I was destined to be. I am not going to be satisfied living with less of my relationship with God than what he actually says in his word he has for me, right? Like, those are, there are some people that say this. Like, we're a prophetic church. We love to move in prophecy and all that. And I have heard from several people that say, well, I'm just not prophetic. Sorry, you're stuck. Right? Because if I read this word, it says things like, I would that they all would prophesy. Right? <laughs> and that the prophetic gifting is for everybody. Right? So if you say, I'm not prophetic or I don't prophesy, I'm telling you, you're stuck. That is not God's plan for you. He wants you to think and speak and and hear in a prophetic way. That's just what the Word says. But you know, these changes are hard sometimes. Moving from point A to point B is tough, isn't it? (laughs) There was a, um, when I was getting married ever so many years ago, when I was was getting ready to get married, Jody and I were, we were fixing to get hitched. And uh, That was Tennessee right there for you, in case case you didn't know. Fixing to get hitched. And I looked in the mirror, and I said, Hey, you used to be way better looking than you are. That's what I said to myself. (laughs) Because I had put on a few pounds, right? How many of you want to look good in your wedding pictures? Anybody? Did you want to look good? How many of you went on a diet to lose a little weight before your wedding and before the pictures? Anybody do this? I'm the only one, really? Bruce, you and me, buddy. Okay. (laughs) So I looked in the mirror and I said, hey, I got I to gotta lose 25 pounds before the wedding. How many of you know that if we're motivated, we will actually do something about it, right? <laughs> and so I was like, hey, you ever heard of the Atkins diet? You guys ever heard of this one where it's meat and cheese and nuts and that's it? love bread. I don't know if you guys knew this about me. I love bread. So for like two months, I had no bread, no nothing, and I was dropping weight like crazy. I actually hit my goal before the wedding. I was looking good, right? I was feeling good. I was looking good, you know, and I, I got the pictures to prove it. If you want to see them, I can show them to you, right? But what was the deal? I was motivated to actually do that. So people say, like, they can't change. That is one of the devil's biggest lies in your head. And if you are thinking that or you're feeling that, you need to write that down. I can change. I can change. You know, one of the things I love about the culture that we live in right now, not only here in this church, but in the bigger culture, is like if you can dream it, you can do it kind of thing, right? And, you know, for the most part, I think that's true. If God puts it in your heart... He's going to give you the tools and the desire and all that, but he he doesn't do it alone, folks. It's a partnership, God and man working together. Like, he's not going to do it all for you, and he doesn't expect you to do it all on your own. That's what's so awesome about this. God wants to work with us to accomplish his will, right? And so the motivation, right, for change. So I heard a podcast the other day from a guy named Jonathan Welton. I don't know if if you know him, but if you don't, he's got great stuff. Jonathan Welton. And he was talking about this changes and doing some different things like this. And he said, he said, it's all about motivation. And the example he gave was, he said, if someone doesn't, wants to quit smoking, let's say someone wants to quit smoking. And most people that I've talked to that smoke have either tried to quit or have quit or gone back or whatever. Like it's, you know, it's a tough deal. I get it. I've never been a smoker, but I have friends that have. Okay, I get it. But he said, that if you want to quit smoking, it's all about motivation. So if someone says, I can't smoke, I can't quit smoking, he says, okay, what if someone took a gun and put it up to the head of your kid and said, either quit smoking or I'm going to pull the trigger? How many of you know we would have motivation to quit smoking, right? So it's, and that was kind of, that was a little hey, at least I can say it wasn't my illustration, it was Jonathan's, you know. But but you understand the idea is it's it's not really about whether I can or can't, it's about my motivation, right? And in the want to, right. And so that's the other question we need to ask. We say, hey Lord, if if I'm gonna move, how bad do I want to get unstuck? And how much do I want something better? You know, if you're stuck in some of these areas, I love this question how's that working for you it's one of my favorite questions people come in and say and i'll say oh yeah that's good how's that working for you (laughs) and most of the time if we're honest we'll say that's not working very well at all i want to encourage you this morning you have an awesome life that god wants you to keep moving into waves of awesomeness. You know what I'm saying? Like, waves. The Bible talks about glory upon glory. You know, I believe that's true in our lives. And getting, getting this thing unstuck, we say, Holy Spirit, help us. And so part of that is the next one, and that is this. Choose hope. Choose hope. And I, I think, really, hope is probably, if not the, one of the most powerful words in the English language or in any language. You know, you can be in a horrible situation, but if there's that little glimmer, they say, of hope, you can get through almost anything, right? And that's what's so awesome about God, because the Word of God is filled with promises. And that's why the prophetic is so amazing, because you can get a prophetic word and write it down, and you get to keep coming back. And even if the devil's piling on and all this bad stuff is happening, you go back there and say, nope, this is what God says. And what is that? That's hope. Right? So I mentioned, I kind of gave away a little bit of this during the thing, but in 1 Corinthians 13, it says he's talking about love, the love chapter. Many of you are familiar with this, right? 1 Corinthians 13, he gets down to the last line, and in the Passion Translation it says this. And he's talking about how finally at the end of, of life, when we get to be with Jesus and we move on into eternity, in that he says, until then there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love, and I just want to feel like I need to encourage you this morning in this one thing. Do you realize that all three of those are working in your favor? Faith, hope, and love. And I would say, I would propose this this morning, that getting unstuck actually involves all three. Right? <laughs> so think about an area of your life where you're stuck right now. And I want to just tell you, number one, that love is all over you. If you're in a habit or an addiction right now that you're stuck, I want to tell you that God's love for you is exactly the same as if you were John the Baptist or Apostle Paul or somebody else. Like, he loves you exactly the same whether you're a success or not having success in that area. You know what I'm saying? love. It's really important to understand that because if I know somebody loves me, I can get through a lot, right? So faith, hope, and love. Number one, love that God really does love me and has good plans for me. And then what's the second one? See, then I have to have faith in that love. See, faith is really trust. I have to, I have to trust that God really does love me, that he really does have a good plan for me. You know, he really does have a good plan for my high school or my junior high or my job or wherever I'm at. Right? So I, I have to say, God, I'm not always feeling it, but I'm going to choose to trust you. What does Hebrews say? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. <laughs> There's lots of times we don't, you know, faith involves not seeing but believing, right? So faith, love, faith, and then hope is basically this. Based on his love and based on my decision to trust his love, Now I can have hope in this situation, right? Faith, hope, and love. Man, it's powerful. It's the trifecta, as they say. It's a powerful thing. But it's a choice, isn't it? How many of you know that hope and hopeless is a choice? I would say this Where is my attention? And where is my focus? hope and change and getting unstuck has to do with faith, hope, and love, right? And I literally have to choose that, don't I? I mean, sometimes God will come down and whack us and give us a whole bunch of stuff, right? That's really fun when that happens, and he does do that. But more often than not, you know, we talk about a walk of faith, right? I have to choose hope. I have to choose faith. I have to choose to believe that God loves me this much, right? And the antithesis is, right, the opposite is, I choose to wallow in hopelessness. Hmm. How many of you have ever wallowed in hopelessness and it actually makes you feel good? Anybody have this experience? No, seriously, let's be honest. There are times we just go home and eat a whole gallon of ice cream and eat five pizzas and watch TV and just uh, the world sucks and I, I'm, everything's bad and, you know, the whole thing, right? It feels good for about half an hour or until the sugar binge, you know, hits us and we're like, oh, we're laying in bed and, you know, our shirts are like this or something. Like, you know, it it feels good for a little while. But how many of you know, if you dwell on hopelessness, you you know, like if you do that Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, like, you know, it just kind of perpetuates the problem instead of getting us towards a solution, doesn't it, right? And I would just encourage you this morning, like, quit choosing hopelessness. You know, binge pizza and ice cream is only going to help for a little while, right? Or yelling at your, the person that's make, making you angry, you know? As opposed to, hey, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm gonna put my, <laughs> my focus and my attention and my, uh, my choice into faith, hope, and love. I believe that God wants to get me free from this thing. And I will guarantee you... Uh, Drugs is not the answer. Alcohol is not the answer. Pornography is not the answer. Right? Cheating, lying, you know, all that. It's not the answer. I'll tell you what the answer is. Faith, hope, and love. And the God on this, again, I'm doing it. I'm not saying all you people are bad on this side. And I'm not saying all you guys are good. I'm simply saying that it's a choice that we make, right? Right? How unstuck do I really want to get? I believe that God wants us all unstuck. And one of the things, and we'll we'll close with this today, one of the things that I feel is so key to this is, in fact, just close your eyes for one second. I want, I'm going to pray right now that God would begin to give each and every one of us a vision of hope for my stuckness. I want you to just think about the area of your life that you're stuck, just for a second. And then I want you to begin, the picture I see in my mind is like a dark room and you take the curtains and it's sun out and you take the curtains and you throw the curtains open and all that light begins to shine into my, my heart and my mind. Because that's hope and that's change. That's the first step in change. And I just want to, I just want to, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to know today that He wants to throw back the darkness and the curtains that have been shrouding you in hopelessness, that have been shrouding you in stuckness. And I believe the Holy Spirit would say to you today, you don't have to stay here. Oh. And give us, Lord, a vision of what that looks like. Even if it's just a baby step in, the, in one direction. Maybe it's just the tiniest little adjustment. Lord, we want to get moving in the direction you have for us. Hallelujah. I was talking to a guy yesterday. You can open your eyes. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and uh, he's a life coach. You guys ever heard of these? Life coach? You're a life coach. You need help with your life? She's a life coach. She can help you get. She, that, part of a job with a life coach is getting you unstuck, right? That's, that's really what they do. But he was talking about how his wife is a counselor, And he's a life coach. And he said, listen, my wife is a certified counselor, and she can help people work on their past and all the stuff that's happened to them up to this point. He says, I don't really do that. He says, I focus on where people are and where they're going. (laughs) Right? Now, I just want to encourage you, if you're so stuck that you can't see hope, you should probably go see a counselor. I... Love that Holy Spirit is our counselor. I love that he does, and he does a lot of work in our life. But we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. Sometimes we need a little help from the outside. Would you agree? And so, you know, to, as a Christian, sometimes we think, God's all I need. Yep, God and counselors. <laughs> right? Sometimes God and a doctor. <laughs> you know, sometimes we need God and somebody to walk alongside us on this journey. Are you with me? If you ever get in that trap of all I need is God— Pretty soon, you don't need the church. Pretty soon, you don't need other people around you. And you will die. On the inside, you will die. Why? Because we weren't made for loneliness. And there are times we need help. And so I just want to encourage you, like, if you're stuck and you can't really see any hope, don't stay there. Go see a counselor. If it's your past and you need some stuff to get fixed, do that. Maybe you're in a place where you need a little help, like a life coach or something. But I love that idea that once we begin to see things a certain way, we can start moving in that direction. Would you agree? So I'm at a, a doctor's office the other day, and there was this big quote on a picture on the wall. And here's what it said. It said, A mind once stretched by a good idea never regains its original dimensions. Okay, can I read that again? A mind once stretched by a good idea never regains its original dimensions. Huh. I thought, they used the wrong, that's hope right there. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's hope. What God gets in our spirit and says, listen, you're so much more than what you're experiencing right now. Your mind starts to go. Your heart starts to expand. How many of you know when we get out and our minds get to be a certain place, you know, we don't think that small thing anymore. We start to think big, Right? What does Paul say? He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. But now that I'm a man, I, I put aside all that stuff, right? My mind and my spirit and my heart has expanded to the place where now God can do this in me. And how many of you know there's no limit on how big God can be in us, right? Why don't you stand on your feet this morning? <laughs> Woo. No oh. No limits. So put your one hand on your heart if you would. Put your other hand on your mind. We're going to just pray over both these things this morning. So Lord, we thank you today, God, that you love every part of us. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. And Lord, I pray for an increase right now in both our minds and our hearts. Lord, that the things that are residing inside of us, Father, if there are lies that That need to be broken. I crush them right now in Jesus' name. We just crush them right now, and even in your mind, as we're praying, you think of some things that need to be crushed. Maybe there's a lie of insecurity or God doesn't love me as much as somebody else. Those kind of things, Lord, we just crush those lies right now. It is not your word. That is not the truth. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would expand our minds to be able to think your thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would expand our hearts today, that we would would be able to, to in in more revelation, understand how much you love us. Oh, God. Lord, I pray for those hearts that are half-filled, that you would, by your reign of your love, just begin to pour in more and more and more of your love, God. Father, I love you today, and I thank you so much that your thoughts towards us are good. Lord, I pray today that faith hope and love would increase in our spirits and in our minds. Oh God. Let it increase today, God. Let it increase, oh God. Can we just say more? Just, just make one word prayer today. More. More, God. <laughs> more, God. Yes. All right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, it's good.